Everyone, welcome to Superwomen. Today's episode is a special one with Lauren Wesley Wilson. Before we dig in, I just want to read a little bit about Lauren and her background. She is an award-winning diversity and inclusion strategist. She currently serves as founder and CEO of Colorcom Media Group, Colorcom Inc., and Colorcom Search. That is like mind-blowing. She can oversee that many things and still show up and have a smile on her face today. In 2011, Lauren founded Colorcom Inc., the nation's leading women's platform addressing diversity and inclusion across the communications, marketing, media, advertising, and digital arena. Lauren, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here in this capacity. I know. It's going to be fun today. So I would love to hear first and foremost, you know, I credit so many women who have helped me. They've come before me. They gave me a leg up. What do you think happened along your journey that you decided to go into diversity and inclusion, uh, especially across the landscape that you inhabit now? Thank you. That's such a great question. I mean, my background really comes out of communications and media relations. So prior to starting Colorcom, I had worked at one of the top crisis communications firms in Washington, D.C. I had worked for President Obama on his reelection campaign in the state of Florida. I was hired to do media booking. And so my background really comes out of media training, booking, crisis, communications for corporations. And so when I was working in Washington, D.C. at this big publicly traded company, I did not see any person of color in communications in leadership. And so I really wondered, you know, how was I going to excel and succeed if I did not see people who looked like me in those positions? And so at the time, which was about 10 years ago, I had no one in my world, in my sphere, who understood the work of communications or public relations. And so doing this really from a strategy perspective, not so much for events and celebrities, many people got misconstrued on what was it that I really did. And so I didn't have friends or people to go to who really understand the work. And I really needed mentors and sponsors, but didn't really know how to find them. I kind of felt alone in this space. And so started Colorcom over a luncheon series to bring together women who looked like myself, women of color, who were really trying to advance themselves. And these luncheon series 10 years ago were really about new business opportunities. So we would have a keynote speaker, of course, come and speak to our audience. But more importantly, so often you go to these kind of events and you know networking forums, so to speak, and you really don't, you miss out on the people who are there, your neighbor to your left, your neighbor to your right. You don't get to know them. You're not interested in them. You're just really focused on the person speaking. And those people in the room could very much be advocates and resources for you, but the environment's not set up to get to know those people. And so we created forums where you know, we really learned from someone who was a keynote speaker, but then we also really learned from each other. And we really made networking more of a collaborative, mutually beneficial experience, less about hire me, I need a job, what can you do transactional, but more about collaboration. How can we work together? How can we learn from each other? How can we grow? I love that you said that because I think so often, especially at these conferences, people forget that the people sitting right next to them are just as talented and could help them just as much. It's not the one speaker that everyone runs to with their business cards after. You know, even digitally, I say, you know, when any community is tuning in, the amount of give, get, and help and support that people could provide for each other uh, is probably way more than that one person talking could ever do. 
Absolutely. And you put so much focus and emphasis on that person. And you have to think when you go to these forums, those people likely have a slew of mentees already, right? Like that's why they're there. They already probably have 20 people that they're mentoring and sponsoring and advocating for. So it might not be, all the answers might not rely with that person. Yeah, for sure. So as female founders, I don't know if you feel this way, but we often have to overcompensate to fight stereotypes. Um, We feel like sometimes we have to do it all on our own, but I speak from vast, uh, experience in it takes a team, it takes a village, whether it's your home life, your company, your other company, um, you have many. So when you were first considering the idea of Colorcom as a business, you know, did you have people in your village? Um, you don't have to name names, but like types of roles of people that were really key to helping that happen? Absolutely. I mean, it was so many women that I would call on that I would just ask, you know, for help. And it was very interesting because I didn't give them my whole business plan, my whole strategic plan. I would just say like, there'd be little areas, like we wanted to transition Colorcom, which was a luncheon series into a membership organization. So I'd ask questions for people who like were in the space, who had experience working maybe at nonprofit or running membership. And I would ask them questions about pricing model. I'd ask them questions about building community. I would ask them specific questions to help out to where I'm going. But I wouldn't necessarily say, these are all the things that I'm trying to do help me. That's really overwhelming. I'd take a piece of what I needed and go specifically to that source. One of the things that I would do back in the day before anybody knew me, before I had any dollar to my name, before I had any mentors, is I was working on Capitol Hill and I was a communications director for a Texas congresswoman. So every Friday during the summer, we were in recess. means that we're not on the floor. And um, as the summer progresses, uh, the congressional, it, it just winds down a little bit, headed towards August recess. So every Friday, I would go toward, to um, this small business forum called SCORE, and I would have them review my business plan, and it would be people who were consultants, people in accounting, people who are in the business and in corporate, reviewing my plan and looking it over and providing strategic advice and pushing back and saying, well, you know... I don't know if it's going to work if you do this. Have you tried thinking this way? What's your demographic? They would challenge me on the questions that I didn't necessarily have. And they'd have me thinking about my business. And so that was really one you know, avenue. And then um, my mother is, was very, very a helpful resource because she owned an ad agency, partnered on with a Caucasian man and owned an ad agency in St. Louis and in Chicago and was very, very successful in that space. So she was a huge resource to, you know, helping me think thoroughly about the operations that you need in place to run a business. I love what that we share. Our moms were some of our biggest support systems and inspirations for our launching our own businesses. That's really cool. Yeah. You can't do it without that, like, 100% built-in cheerleader. <laughs> totally. Totally. Or, or the tough love that she's like, I'm not cheering you on here. Jump in the pool. I'm going to watch and see if you can swim. Right. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> tough love all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I always love to ask founders, is there a meaningful piece of advice either that you learned by failing, you know, that you would love to pass on to others or that someone gave to you that you were like, yep, this is a keeper. No, that's a great question. There's, I mean, there's so many Advice, pieces of advice that I've gotten along the way. And it all just kind of like, it depends on the category. But one of the things that um, 
as I've gotten older and it becomes a little bit more challenging is, is to ask for help, you know, to ask for what you need. I mean, you say that in your book, but that is really, really important because there's this fear of failure and there's this fear of when you are a little bit more established, you're kind of maybe embarrassed because you're thinking, well, you should have that answer. You've been doing this for 10 years or there's sometimes contingencies among asking for help, right? A favor for a favor. So yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to ask because then I'm going to owe this person later. But you know what? You have to just do it. You have to just dive on in because that's how you grow. And you'll, you'll kind of learn along the way through those asks. Yeah, for sure. So you launched in 2011, Colorcom Inc. And then since then, you've started multiple new businesses, as I had explained when I did your intro. What has changed over the past 10 years? And I can only imagine in the last year, things have changed a lot. But what, what changed? And then what pushed you to go, okay, something new, something new, something new? How the hell do you keep up with that? Those are three questions. <laughs> I think what is, you know, what has changed is, you know, the environment and landscape. In some ways we've stayed the same, but in some ways we've changed significantly. And that's why Colorcom is still around because we are fulfilling, fulfilling a void. And so in our space, we've become a necessary resource for talent, for hiring, for getting people jobs, for connection, for new business. Prior to Colorcom, networking in our space wasn't the same. I mean, now we, we are across age, across industry, across demographic. So we were really allowing to bring more people, more resources, more knowledge to the table as it relates to our Colorcom community, our membership base, as it relates to hiring diverse, smart talent. I believe we are about quality over quantity. Big numbers are fantastic, but if you don't have the right people in the room, does it really matter? So that's kind of where we are and where we've shifted. We've evolved with the times we've caught up. One of the things that I would say as a team, what we do really well is we listen. So it's not just about pushing our own agenda or pushing our plans. We have to be flexible to our plans changing because we really need to listen to our stakeholders, our audiences, our members, those who are in our community, telling us what they need to be better connected to the community. Listening is so, so key. And then this past you know, in this year, marking our 10th anniversary, we launched a platform called Colorcom Search, which is a recruiting jobs platform for multicultural talent in the business of communications, marketing, advertising, and digital. You can go on to colorcomsearch.com and there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of open roles from companies who are prioritizing inclusion in the workplace. So they're saying, you know, we want a more inclusive environment. We want to have diverse talent on our teams. And these are roles that aren't just DNI roles. These are roles in the communications, marketing, advertising, digital space in the function area of communications. And we've had Condé Nast and Coca-Cola and Nike and so many amazing brands and Fortune 500 companies already using the site. That has been such a game changer because we were already doing this in a smaller way. We were having a weekly newsletter. We were letting people know about jobs. But as we grew as a company, HR representatives saw that we were housing talent. So they saw, okay, look, you have the talent. How can we keep our talent, your talent with open roles? And every day with struggle, I was getting text messages and calls. And, you know, and I'm like, look, I'm on human resources. You know, I can make 15, 20 resumes. Like, come to our events and don't work yourself. But then as time progressed, it was like, okay, we're sitting on something here. 
And yeah. our, our membership community, they're not always happy where they are or they're looking for bigger and better opportunities. So how do we give them those opportunities and how do we cut through the middleman, right? Anybody can go online and look for a job. What color comp search is different is because we connect our member and our community, men and women, people of color, open to everyone, but we connect them with the hiring manager. So your resume and your information is not just going to a black hole. It's going to someone who's a decision maker who can see that quickly and make quick decisions and decide to bring you on into the fold. So that's what really makes us different. I'm so excited to hear about Color Calm Search. I think it's so needed. And I think that especially with, you know, I think what's frustrating and I'm sure you feel the same way is, you know, hiring multicultural people, um, BIPOC is not something that's just for a DNI role, right? And that tends to happen a lot. And it's like, no, there is a beautiful, diverse array of people for all roles within a company, and we need to know where to go. So the fact that you are you are the hub for that is really exciting. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm excited. Yeah. So um, I recently wrote a book for those who uh, don't know, and it's full of rules, tips for business. Um, rule number four of the book, which is called Fearless is give it your all. You have more to offer than you might think. And it, the rule makes me often think about how much value women hold. And the numbers don't necessarily reflect that. August 3rd was Black Equal Pay Day. And I'd love for you to hear any advice for women who are significantly underpaid and undervalued. You know, what what can they do to get out get out of that or or secure their future in a more positive way? Or who do they even talk to within the company if they're feeling that way? Yeah, I mean, there's so much conversation about um, pay equity, which is really important. One of the things that I encourage everybody to do is talk about your salary. You know, talk about openly. Um, Listen, ask questions, people you feel comfortable with, get a, get a range. It might not be the exact number, but get a range about what people are making in this space. That is so important. But also do a critical assessment of yourself, right? So many times we think, okay, this person's getting paid 10, 15K more. I'm doing the same work as this person. I need to get paid more. Sometimes we need to look at, okay, it's about equal pay for equal work which is really important too. But it's also about, are we equal in terms of the experience? Yes. You know, the um, sometimes schools are being judged and, and taken into play, but a lot of times it needs to be about experience, resources, connections. Do you have all that when you bring, when you look at the job or are you don't have any of those things and just say, you know what, I need to get paid more because they're getting paid more. You kind of right. have to do an assessment of yourself first and see if it's, if it's apples to apples and you're getting paid less, then that's a problem. You know, if you went to comparable schools and had comparable experience and um, comparable resources, yet this person's getting paid 20K more, there's a disconnect here. But yeah. if you didn't, you know, you have to kind of weigh those because it's not always the case. I'm so glad you bring that up because I think people just say equal pay for equal work and then they don't really think about the years of experience or like you said, connections that someone might have that really determine sometimes why someone is being paid a salary. Uh, there's a quote from my podcast that Sally Krawcheck said, but she said, you know, if women talked about money or stocks or uh, what they're being paid the same way they talk about, uh, I'll, I'll be PG, their turn, intimacy or children 
how much further along will we be in establishing an uh, environment that is equal? So yeah. how do you tell people to broach that subject with their peers? Like, what do you make? I mean, it can be very uncomfortable. It can. And I think the reason why we're afraid to talk about it is because there's some sort of like embarrassment. You know, we're afraid to be getting paid less than our our counterpart. Or um, we're afraid that there's emotion tied to it, right? So it's like, why am I undervalued here? And so we don't want to necessarily know. We don't want to rock the boat. And I think, you know, if you've been at a company for some time, you know, a little bit more, six months to a year, ask those questions. But the thing is, not everyone's going to tell you, right? They're not. So you need to, you know, you need to kind of broach it carefully and strategically. Um, And it doesn't always have to be at a position in which you feel undervalued, right? You can feel, you can feel very valued. You could actually be making more. Right. And that information can help guide you to say, you know what? I didn't know that I was the one actually making more than this person over here. I'm actually doing better than I thought. You know, those are the things that um, can help inform you to make better decisions about where you work, about being valued, about moving on up. But, you know, oftentimes when you do ask for a raise, it's not going to be, well, Bob over here makes more, so I should be making more. Yeah. You have to make the case for yourself because Bob may have came in and negotiated more and you might have under negotiated yourself. So that's something to think about too. Did you start off in that role a little bit lower than the market value? So it's not the corporation's job to say, we're, we're going to pay you at, at value or pay you more. It's your job to know what those numbers are and to ask for as much as you think is appropriate that you think you can get. But it's not their job to say, look, you lowballed yourself. So here's 15 more K. Nice. So, you know, you have to think about those things. All those things come into consideration. Yeah. And I would also add to it that, you know, as someone who gets asked, you know, my team asking for raises or promotions a lot, you know, sometimes when you ask for that, when is the cycle, you know, if a company does its budget for the year, you know, and you ask mid-year, sometimes you'll just be disappointed because the budget's locked, you know? And so, you know, knowing when, especially when you have those reviews or, or knowing when, when those pockets of opportunity open up, I think is important because sometimes you're just like, I'm sorry, I can't do it right now. I can do it in three months. Um, and knowing the timing of that, I think is key. It's so key. I mean, don't be asking for a raise towards the end of the year. Not going to happen. Right. Or don't be asking for a raise when your company, you know, shrunk by 50% in sales. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen either. Three month waiting time isn't bad because, you know, what are you going to get a job faster than that? Maybe, maybe not. Right. And, And, you know, it's still showing that your company's willing to work with you. Yeah. I love that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So what would you say from the employer side um, people can do to create a more inclusive workplace with purpose? I know for me, you know, someone pointed out, if you say hi to one person in the elevator, not the others, that's showing and, you know, it's showing the other people you don't care. Or if you are chummier with the people that you work with very closely every day, which will naturally happen, and then you never bother to ask the person that you don't work with every day, how are you? How are you doing? It can feel unequal in terms of preferential treatment. And so I try to be very mindful of that. But what else can employers do to do that, to feel more equal and with purpose, more inclusive? Sometimes employers can feel like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? Like you're not always thinking of top of mind, but it is our job to be, you know, have that neutral boundary experience and to be inclusive and to listen, of course. But listening is so, so key because sometimes we just impose our ideas and our thoughts, and we could be a little bit off base. So if people are coming to us about their feelings or connection with the manager or connection with their teams, listen and see how we can maybe improve that. I mean, I think it varies too with company size. When you're a smaller company, you know, you have the opportunity to connect with everybody a little bit more closely. When you are bigger, that's when some of the employee resource groups and some of the other things come into play to really um, make sure diverse talent feels included. But I will say diverse multicultural talent wants to make sure that they have the same opportunities as their white counterparts, making that effort there. So it might come naturally to other people to bond and connect. And that's where it might take some effort on an employee's side and an employer's side to bond and connect with other people. But making sure you have the resources and tools to advance at the same speed as counterparts who don't look like you. That's really what it comes down to because you can really give us, you know, employee resource groups and opportunities to do panels and internal things all day long, but that's not going to matter if you don't feel like you're included in other areas where you see your counterparts included. Totally. I love that. So you're running a media empire and you're launching new businesses. What are the components of the business that you laser focus on when you're launching a new product or service? Just so that people can understand, you know, what's the magic in launching a new product or even a new vertical or a new arm of ColorCom? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, really do your homework and your research because you can launch new things all day long, but make sure that you're launching something that's fulfilling a void that people need. People have come to you and saying, if only you had this, this would make my life easier or this would make our company easier. For four years, we were doing a jobs newsletter every Friday where people were paying $200 and $300 to post jobs. 
Okay, we could only host so many jobs. People, company and HR professionals were coming to us and say, this would make this a lot easier for us if we had a search capability to search for roles in New York, DC, Miami, and all of them came down and we had a place to house hundreds of jobs a day versus waiting around for your newsletter once a week. You know, McDonald's came to us and said, over the summer last year, we hired three new roles from your jobs newsletter. Imagine if you had a website that we can even capitalize and connect even more and reach more people. So make sure that you're listening. And that's one of the things that we did. We listened, we did our research, we did our homework, we understood our competitors in the space, and we galvanized the resources to be able to do this successfully. It wasn't something that was able to do overnight, right? Just because somebody says they want something or you have ear, you know, things in your ears, you have to really make a plan and do your homework. And this was uh, almost a year endeavor that we took on. Wow. That's really what's important. Yeah. I'm happy to hear you say it took a while because I think we're in this age of instant gratification where you just click all this and you go, oh, my career should be that way. You know, my next product launch should happen overnight. But a year is a good amount of time. And to launch something well and thoughtfully, anything you do takes time, especially within business. So anything you do. And I think to your point, in this business, people don't actually tell you the truth on how long time things take. You know, they sound like, yeah, this just took six months. But what what the plans were in place for a year, or or you've been having these conversations with these business partners for a year, or they you've had these relationships with these brands for a really long time. So when you start to do something, of course this brand is is sponsoring you within 30 days. Right. Because they've known you for nine years. People don't give you the backstory on what it takes to get to where you are, they just tell you like the final information. So if you're coming up, you think, oh, okay, if I need a sponsor, if I need a brand or if I need an endorsement, I only need 30 days because it took her 30 days. No, it took her nine years and 30 days. You yes. Yes. It's taken me 16 years and however many days, 16 years and six months to uh, get some of the things I need. So there you go. That's what happens very fast. Exactly. <laughs> So one of the other rules of my book, Fearless, is don't ask for help. Ask for what you need. You and I were sort of uh, laughing before we started the live about a lot of people saying, you know, how did you get started and how that's not the question. If you get to have time with someone you want to be mentored by or someone you have the opportunity to connect with. So I want to know from you, and again, you don't have to name names, but you are giving all the time, whether it's resources for people to get hired or connecting people within media. Where do you turn for help and support? Like, are there resources you turn to or massages or self-care things that help you stay fulfilled? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I have a career coach, which is really, really important. I do my own like homework, right? Like I'm involved in, in other organizations and other groups that can help advance me and my thinking. I mean, really advancing your thinking if you're trying to do anything big. If you're trying to go to the next level in your business, you need your mind to match up with what you're doing. And so really thinking about that, but not being afraid to ask for help. I mean, as much as I give, I have to ask too. And there's people that I go to that, you know, no strings attached will help you. And then there's, you know, but I know a lot of people, we just naturally know a lot of people, but then there's people that you feel a little bit more hesitant maybe to ask. But what I would say is just do it you'll be surprised at the responses and the feedback that you'll receive by just just going forward because you can't really get to where you need to be alone. 
I mean, there are so many people that are going to help you along the way. And honestly, these people don't have to be your best friend, right? They don't have to know you forever. They have to respect what you do, have an understanding of what you do, but you don't have to talk to them every day for them to be helpful. There's someone I reached out to, had a call with the other day, haven't spoken to her in two years. And she's over here talking to me, eating lunch on the phone, acting like we just we just talked yesterday. And she's yeah. helping me with, you know, helping me with this big project coming up and putting me in the right direction to ask the right people for some things. But it, it doesn't have to be someone you talk to every six months. And make sure the interactions you have with people are genuine, that you're not just sitting around saying, well, I'm going to be nice to her because I have an ask coming up in about six months and I want to ask her for a favor. Make sure it's genuine because life doesn't always roll that way, you know. And, you know, again, they need to have some sense of who you are, what you do, and your reputation probably needs to be good in their eyes for them to, you know, want to help. But I'd say just, you know, keep those relationships up and, and make sure you're asking that person, you know, they're the person specifically to answer. Be specific because asking for help is so general. Be specific. I'm looking to connect with X. Can you make an introduction? I'm looking for this brand partner. Have you you've worked with them before? I noticed you worked with this brand. Who have you worked with on the team? Have they been helpful? What yeah. is the lead time? I mean, be specific. Yeah, I can't under, I can't underline what you're saying enough. Be specific. I always say like, what leather vendor do you need? Where do you want to get hardware? How do you get into a showroom? All the things that are so key to starting a business. And the more specific you can get, the more laser the answer. And all the general stuff, you can Google about people. You can listen to their podcasts. You can find out all the articles where they've said all, all the stories. On the human side, I love knowing kind of like you're the badass businesswoman. But what would people be surprised to know about you? People would probably be surprised that I'm like a huge homebody. <laughs> I'm out all the time. I love staying at home and just like watching movies and just hanging out. I also am a cyclist. I cycle outside. I like to cycle for miles and get lost in my thoughts. And um, that's the thing that I truly, truly enjoy. And I think people would be surprised to know about that. And I cook. People don't cook. They think I just heat up something up in the microwave and call it a day. The only thing I, the only meal I purchase is lunch, but I like to cook. So that is a fun fact. Well, I know what we're doing that when we actually get to meet face to face. We are going to cook or we're going to go for a bike ride because I love oh, those things good, too. Good. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lauren. It was great to speak to you. Thank you. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again. And you will hear from me next week.